future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Hey everybody, everybody, welcome, welcome. Yes, it's the Wednesday of February. It is Wednesday, February 9th, 2022. Welcome to another episode of The Wednesday Show with Cyril Michaleko. Cyril's a progressive columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times, The Intelligencer, and now the Bucks County Beacon. Yes, indeed. This show joins Out to Coop Live, our Monday evening interview show, and our Friday politics roundup, where we break down the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. You can get all our shows by subscribing to our podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. You should also sign up for Cyril's newsletter on Substack. That's cyrilmikaleko.substack.com. The link for that will be in the show notes. And you can help support this show right now by becoming a patron for as little as 5 bucks a month. Head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress and show your support for a little independent media here. You can also help out the show by heading over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for the show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time that we go live. Make sure to join our Discord server to continue the conversation all week long. Just click on the link in today's show notes too as well. Uh, we got some great kind of great exchange that are going on there about some of the books everybody's reading, which is pretty cool. And a special shout out goes to Jonathan Mann, who wrote our new intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at, at @songadayman. That's at @songadayman on Twitter. Well, on this week's show, we're going to catch up with Cyril about his latest article in the Bucks County Courier Times. That's combat the climate crisis before there's nothing to build back. And we're going to hear about his new gig with the recently launched Bucks County Beacon. Yes, indeed. His first weekly column just dropped this past Friday in which he sounded the call for progressive independent media in Bucks County. We'll also take a look at what's happening with his newsletter and get a sneak peek into some of the things he's working on. Good morning, Cyril. How you doing? I'm doing good, Kevin. How are you? Uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good. Uh, I can't decide whether I'm cold or warm today, but other than that, you know, it's uh, it's pretty good. We had a little snow this morning, which turned to rain. Uh, good old solid kind of Bucks County, Pennsylvania, February, I guess. <laughs> so, but other than that, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There we go. There we go. Well, it's good to have you back on. And like, well, first, you know, uh, congratulations on the new gig on uh, Bucks County Beacon. That's really exciting. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, you know, those guys reached out to me uh, last month and, you know, we got to talking and I really, you know, liked what I was hearing about, like, what they want to do with the newspaper. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this a little later, but kind of like, you know, continuing to build the, you know, progressive independent media, um, you know, ecosystem here, um, which obviously you've been part of for a long time. Yeah. Um, back when Raging Chicken was, uh, I believe, was it started off as a print. Um, Indeed. Online. Well, online. Yeah. Online. We, we actually had a, had a monthly, uh, we started doing a kind of a monthly leaflet version of it at one point. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been around since that was, 2011. That was, 
Was that like right around the Wisconsin uprising? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right after Wisconsin. I mean, that was the uh, we launched in the uh, the first the first official ep- or, or uh, issue came out uh, in July 2011, and uh, we had actually had the website up and launched, and we had some initial content up there in kind of April of that uh, April 2011. Um, and that's when we hit the ground running. Yeah. Yeah, I think I ran into you back then before we actually yep. knew each other. Yeah, yeah, we were back. back in, I, I remember. I, yeah, I remember having some conversations with you on like on the phone like late at night because like it was the only time we could find. My kids were still young, and I was trying to find time to talk and stuff like this. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so crazy. Well, you know, I got to say, so, uh, so yeah, we'll talk about that, talk about that piece in a little bit. Uh, I want to get to your latest, uh, column in the Bucks County Courier Times, the intelligencers called combat, the climate crisis before there's nothing left to build back. And I got to say, um, it's probably, uh, one of the more hopeful columns that I, that I've read of yours in a while. Um, you got a little bit of optimism kind of, uh, built into this one. I like it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you know, I thought I'd try that, uh, try that on for a change. Um, you know, I mean, step away from the doom and gloom that is like the far right kind of flooding Bucks County with their kind of toxic bile. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, we can't. Climate change is something that's not reported on often enough. Period. Right. And, you know, I would do it more if I had more column space more frequently. Now I'm. You know, I'm going to have more, you know, more with the beacon. So that kind of like frees my hands to do, you know, multiple other things that are always like on the back of my mind. Um, Right. But yeah, I mean, you know, the future does not look bright unless we start to do something about this now. And unfortunately, you know, uh, you got to give Biden credit. Like he really went big with this um, Build Back Better bill with how it approaches climate change. I mean, it's right. not perfect, right? But it's pretty transformational. And that, that's what we need, right? We need to transform the economy, move it away from a fossil fuel economy into a more sustainable, renewable energy economy. And, um, you know, unfortunately, because of like the dysfunction of, you know, the Senate, um, you know, specifically, I guess that would be mansion and, and cinema. Yep. Um, you know, this bill got stalled. You know, never mind the fact that, like, how can Republicans not recognize that? Like, we need to build up our infrastructure and deal with the climate crisis. I mean, well, you know, the, here's something. This is the one thing that, you know, I, I think if we if we kind of we break this down into kind of these these two, I don't know arenas right on the one hand like you lead this column like you're talking about this poll that came out from by yale and george mason university showing that about two-thirds of americans across the political spectrum recognize climate crisis uh, the climate change as a national emergency and overwhelming majority support policies that incentivize and transition to a clean energy economy and reduce industrial pollution so what's what's significant i think about uh, about that those poll numbers is that you're these are people recognize as a national emergency not just kind of like an issue right and that it's pressing so that we there's a sense that there's 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 a real kind of important coming to kind of consciousness at least away from the denialism right um so you've kind of got that happening kind of among the the population as a whole but then you've got what's happening in official politics whether we're talking at the statewide level or we're talking about the national level where they're just nowhere near 
having the same kind of kind of crisis response um, uh, to, you know, to climate. And they're treating it like just any other political football, partisan political football, when we're talking about the kind of the livelihood of our futures. I mean, that seems to be kind of like the divide and where that goes from here. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, I mean, I think it underscores the importance of having, you know, a climate justice movement out in the streets, kind of organizing, making noise, um, because we can't leave it to politicians. You know, we can't leave them to their own devices to kind of, right. like, you know, make the necessary necessary changes that are going to, you know, keep the planet from just reaching some kind of like you know collapse or some dystopian future i mean even the pentagon's planning for it right like they're planning for like these these huge storms these droughts these great migrations these resource wars not over like oil like it used to be but over like drinking water right drinking water water. yep and borders right i mean whether or not you know what what's going to happen to our borders at this point you know so yeah, so I, you know, I, I talked to, I mean, what I wanted to try to do is just kind of like take this like global national issue and just and then localize it a bit. So I, I talked to a f- couple of local folks. Helen Tai is great, um, uh, ex state rep, um, also longtime environmental advocate, um, and the conservation voters of Pennsylvania, who are actually actively like working on on trying to get um, a you know standalone build back better climate bill um you know through the senate and you know if you i mean you know molly parson who i spoke with like she you know she broke it down pretty good like you know if you like if one way to depoliticize is just like ask people like do you want your kids to breathe like clean air right do you want to have like them to drink you know clean healthy um water and if you look at what's happening in you know pennsylvania um we have neither, right? Like Pennsylvania exactly. ranks 47th nationally in air quality. Um, and according to the American Lung Association, it gets an F in ozone pollution, um, the worst in the Philadelphia metropolitan area. And then, you know, I was kind of like doing my research and, you know, came across like the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection's report from just last month that said, the state's waterways are getting more polluted and more unsafe for drinking, recreation, and wildlife. Right. And never mind that there's schools that still have like lead contaminated drinking water. <laughs> well, this is what killed me that you say in there too, like this about this uh, this Lancaster Fox, you know, uh, Fox forty three revealed in August that hundreds of Pennsylvania schools have lead contaminated drinking water thanks to lead pipes. I mean, you're thinking about. Lead, which does damage with the ability to learn, is polluting the schools in the region. I mean, that's freaking insane to me. You, you, you would think that this would be like a no-brainer. And, you know, and, and, you know, at least the Democrats are trying to do something about it. Like the Republicans are, have nothing. Like they're offering nothing. Um, and then even like on the state level, just... You know, it's slightly related, but with the American Rescue Plan, they're hoarding like over five billion dollars right. that could be used to kind of improve like infrastructure here in Pennsylvania. Never mind like helping like hurting families, um, you know, that have been affected and impacted adversely by the pandemic. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like people need to 
I don't know. I mean, you need to call your senators and your, your lawmakers. And at some point, we need to start making some noise, right? If, if they're not going to pass something. And if they don't get something done before the midterms, like who knows which way the, ele- the elections are going to turn. Um, I'm pretty worried about that. 100%, yeah. Well, you know, and I'm reminded, you know, not to not to force us down to the kind of the the, the doom and gloom pathway um, after such a kind of hopeful beginning, right? <laughs> but but uh, you know, I'm reminded of what's uh, I believe is Kate Aronoff was writing about this uh, um, in terms of climate and the shift is going to climate. Says, look, we've already seen shifts where ha- what is happening in the Republican Party um, away from kind of sheer denialism. Um, and now it's turning in much more darker ways. And we're seeing that the way this kind of links up to all this this kind of right wing militia, this kind of, you know, increase uh, increased amount of kind of white supremacy emerging its head and the kind of like pockets of this kind of environmental fascism. Right. They're saying, OK, look, we're not going to deny um, climate change anymore. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to just kind of protect ours against them. Right. So there's there's a way in which that, you know, we don't address this kind of openly and directly and aggressively now um, that, you know, it leaves the door open for a much more kind of fascistic kind of solution to the problem um, and a much more brutal kind of human solution um, that, you know, echoes in my mind a lot of some of the discourse we're seeing around the pandemic. Right. Just kind of I want to do what's mine and don't force anything on me. And we're going to keep all these other people out that are, you know, that want some of what we have. And that scares the crap out of me. Um, so, you know, I, I'm really hoping that we're going to see both at the statewide level and at the national level a strong, strong push for those climate provisions on the Build Back Better and, you know, corresponding state legislation. Yeah, I mean, I guess two things. Like, imagine if we just actually, we had started kind of transitioning, let's just say back in, like, 92, right? Like when, like, I think Al Gore wrote that, like, Earth in the Balance book, right? Kind of, like, great new alarm. Like, imagine where we'd be by now. (laughs) Totally. I mean, we, we... it's so frustrating um, and that there, there has been this inaction. And, and then just the other thing I think like we, we probably should start thinking about is like whether these oil companies should be paying like environmental reparations. Totally. Because they've been, you know, in addition to like just the devastation that their everyday kind of like operations cause, like the worst thing of it all, at least in my opinion, is that they were purposely pushing out disinformation to undermine the scientific consensus right. even decades before 1992, right? I think this was, it goes back to like, I think it was like the late 70s with like ExxonMobil. Um, and the fact that they were doing that, I think that had long-term kind of um, harms, not just for the environment, but for the political conversation, um, which kind of has led us to the deadlock that we're dealing with now. Yeah, 100 percent. And, I, you know, look, I, I think, one hundred, you know, exactly, I'll kind of put my stamp right on that one, too, as well. Say, you know, the oil companies, given the... the uh, the insane amount of profit that they are making, like, you know, just kind of like off the charts kind of profit that should be kind of, you know, kind of basically taken and put towards climate mitigation and they should play, pay a disproportionate um, share of um, their direct private profits. They reap from us by externalizing all the costs of their business model onto us 
And, well, now it's time to pay the piper. I mean, it's the very least. You broke it, you bought it. That's pretty simple. Yeah. I mean, it, it's really, it, it, it's sociopathic that they knew. They knew this was a problem, but they said, you know what? We're going to just spend millions and millions of dollars to lie to the public anyway, because for us, the bottom line is just profits. Yep. And to hell with everyone else and to hell with the yeah, crazy. So you know, this is where this has got to be the this has got to be the year, and this is where I look at the lead up to the midterms is going to be absolutely so critical. Um, and you know, this is the other thing. I mean, not to make too kind of a, abrupt of a transition here, but this is one of the reasons why I was thrilled, you know, to find that you're going to be writing for the Bucks County Beacon now too as well, and you're going to have yet another platform um, on a kind of more regular basis. It's a weekly column, correct? It is. Yeah. And to be able to kind of, you know, um, get these kind of independent voices that are out there, could get this analysis out there, especially as we're kind of approaching rapidly uh, midterm elections where all this stuff that we were just talking about is at stake. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely excited. I mean, you know, you and I are like kind of cut from the same cloth and just like yeah. <laughs> independent media just kind of runs through our veins. And, you know, I kind of let go into the piece about how. You know, for me, my real first taste of it was when I was, you know, just a, I was a student at Evergreen and um, I, was, I was starting there in January. And at that time, that's when there was the, you know, five day anti WTO protests in Seattle. And that's where like the indie media online was born using yep. their, you know, open source software. And what started it as a, just an independent media center in Seattle, um, which empowered you know, independent journalists and media activists to report from on the ground and counter the kind of like misinformation and I think at times disinformation because it was kind of done on purpose, um, reporting around, you know, the makeup of who the protesters were, what they were advocating, you know, never mind like the, the just police violence, right? I mean, there was just like the martial law was declared. There was like an right. AP curfew. Um, they were firing rubber bullets and tear gas indiscriminately. And this was like 80,000 people, you know, from like the Alliance of Retired Americans, the ARA, um, to the campesinas from like Central America, to like local students, to turtles and teamsters, right? This was just like all of civil society was represented here. Um, you know, for me, that... It was just, you know, I was just getting my feet wet with politics. It's right. like a profound like impact on me. It was just, you know, I, I by no means was some kind of like seasoned activist like involved. I was like a student who wanted to learn more and knew like this is something I should be involved in. Um, but with the indie media, I mean, you know, what it did effectively was just kind of like show the mainstream media's shortcomings and biases. And, you know, if, you know, if. I'm sure like a lot of folks have read like Manufacturing Consent, by like Chomsky and Herman, but just kind of like, you know, it's the same, uh, you know, how that was covered is just like a reflection of like their thesis with like the commercial just kind of like status quo biases built in um, to these media outlets, never mind like some of it being like subconscious with how, um, you know, they treat and portray people that look to disrupt the status quo. Um, well, and I remember, you know, the IMC, like the Independent Media Center that came, you know, again, what you exactly were talking about. I remember how transformational that was, right, to be able to have a site to go to. And I remember working on it because, you know, I lived in D.C. at the time 
And I remember kind of like submitting to and reading um, like the the DC IMC, but also what was happening um, from Seattle and finding that, you know, there were these activists that basically said, okay, look, one of our problems is um, to be able to kind of get the story out um, in an unfiltered way or and in a way that kind of captures the actual reasons why people are kind of out there protesting and to give the analysis and the kind of perspective from the activists themselves. And so the IMC was a place where those voices came out. And I, it was a it was a like a breath of fresh air because, you know, again, we you know, we know how important video like cell phones have become um, in the Black Lives Matter movement now, for example. And back then it was like camcorders and people uploading video of like, you know, streaming video, what we would call it now, right? Streaming video of um, what actually happened at a particular protest. So you'd have these police statements would come out and then you'd have newspaper coverage that would, of course, listen to the police and reprint what they were saying. And yet you had this counter narrative that was there for everyone to see of actual footage of what actually happened and that would kind of get loaded the IMC and that was you know again that's the power of that independent media is to be able to say hey look they're not covering the whole story they say they are but they're not just look they're making these claims it turns out look they lied you can see it for yourself um, and then communities were born out of that. And there's a way that was also for people to find each other, right, and to build community around that those sites, too. It was, it was, it was extraordinary. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there was the Philly IMs. I mean, they were all over the place, like every yep. city, even smaller cities in the, in the U.S., Central, South America, Asia, Russia, everywhere. But, I mean, in Philly, you know, they covered, like, the Republican National Convention yep. in, like, 2000, and I was kind of, like, involved with that as well. Um, but yeah, and like you said, like it, it not only like democratizes like who is the media, but it, it, it democratized who's covered or who's interviewed, right? Because like exactly. one of the things is just like time and again, and this still happens is just that the, you know, critical voices or activist voices or advocate voices, you know, um, it, it, they're often just either, um, completely disregarded um, or there's just like a, the, the balance is unequal. Right. Yep. And so, you know, that was a problem with, you know, that's part of the reason why we got like NAFTA and the WTO is because they weren't talking to like workers or farmers or environmentalists, uh, where, you know, who were going to be like most impacted by these trade agreements. They were talking to the CEOs and their politicians, right. Just kind of like pushing their, their narrative and you know this is something that i think like that experience in seattle that kind of led me to kind of um you know be part of like upside down world which was like mm -hmm. a huge part of my life for over like a dozen years where i was part of the editorial collective of an online uh, magazine covering politics and activism in in latin america which was completely grassroots reader funded with writers translators you know photographers editors you know from canada down to bolivia and actually like you know we've had people that you know are, are from other parts of the world like uh, my friend hannah who i highlighted on mina progressive yep. she's actually from sweden but did some solidarity work in bolivia and ecuador and actually write it and reported for um for us and building that community is just like another like like what you said um what you just said like it's, it's just so important and and that's why i'm excited about kind of um you know being part of the beacon because i think there's the potential that 
you know, the beacon along with like what you're doing with Raging Chicken and the Kano show and then just kind of like building on top of what all these other folks have already been doing for years, um, you know, with like Rise Up and Bucks County Anti-Racism Coalition. You know, we need to grow bigger. We need to um, become stronger. We need to tell our own stories and make sure these stories get heard to as broad of an audience as possible. 100%. And I know this is something that's been kind of an increasing theme uh, on um, on Out to Coop Live and on our Friday show. And you, you and I have talked about this, too, as well, about the need to build out, say, a Bucks County-wide um, kind of coalition. Um, we've talked about it in terms of we had Amy Connect on again this past Friday. She was my guest co-host for this uh, Friday's Politics Roundup. And we talked about that, too, as well, about, you know, those needs to kind of connect. And, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I've been toying around with and had some initial conversations with some people about is like really looking, you know, maybe we should be thinking about kind of having this independent progressive media summit this summer, you know, <laughs> kind of like a meetup uh, of folks that are great. involved in it. And just to kind of like bounce some ideas ideas around um you know again i don't think any of us has like uh the cash flow or independent wealth that we can just kind of like book out a hotel rooms and big conference center i think but we could certainly find places where we can kind of meet up <laughs> right um sit around and kind of talk a little bit about um strategizing as we move into the midterm elections and i think that um you know you being part of the uh, bucks county beacon is going you know to only add to that fervor toward wanting to get the that progressive kind of independent media activism out there yeah no that 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 would be amazing and i would definitely want to be part of that that would be great we we should try to start planning that with some different folks um yeah and and you know uh, we want to cover like a lot of the stories as well like i'll have my column but just um you know they have linda lee who's like a former new york times reporter she's been covering um uh, local issues. She just had a piece about the uh, debate over the gun show in Newtown that yep. um, one of Jim Worthington's properties will potentially host if it actually goes through. Um, so just kind of, you know, filling in the cracks of what kind of gets missed um, in the mainstream media. And, and you know, I, I wanted to make clear in the in the column that, like, I think, like, there's the local reporters have been doing like a bang up job. I, I agree. Yep. And Emily Rizzo and Chris Ulrich, they're just, I don't know where this area would be without them. Um, the problem is like, we can't clone like five or six more copies of them and staff them because, you know, with everything that's happening in Bucks County, the two of them couldn't possibly cover everything. Right. And so that's like where, um, your podcast comes in, where my column and now working with the beacon comes in, um, just kind of like building on that, um, you know, because like information um, is power. right? Like no, absolutely. Look, and there's people, you know, this is why I've always said about spaces like like Raging Chicken and like these independent media sites is like they're places where people can cut their teeth on this kind of work and do this research. Because, you know, frankly, look, there's amazing people that are doing incredible research already in the community. And a lot of people came to it by necessity, right? They weren't trained as journalists. They weren't trained as, you know, kind of independent investigators. No, they were kind of got invested with a particular issue and then found out that there was something wrong and started doing this research and kind of reporting on it. And so where do you go with that? How do you develop that? And I think that's the role in so many ways of the kind of, you know, this broader independent kind 
kind of media infrastructure where people are kind of getting some of the training, getting uh, cutting their teeth on that work. And ideally, you know, it's it's a space to kind of develop those skills and to bolster the work that is happening, you know, in the quote unquote, quote unquote, mainstream press, um, local press. So, I mean, that, that's I've always thought about that, but like that, because, you know, if you had Chris Ullery, imagine if he had like he had like two or three understudies, so to speak, <laughs> right, yeah. where they would be in training because they wanted to build that that those skills skills out, you know, and that's something to work for, certainly, but it's not something we have now. So people need to be have a place and have places where they can actually do that work, right, where they can see what it's like and develop those skills so that we make sure we, you know, we're not waiting around for like, you know, the, the you know, the you know, what do they call the man in the white hat to come and save the day, so to speak. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's about kind of like growing that culture, right. We're like, exactly. people want to kind of get engaged and get involved with this. And, um, you know, we, we both started when we were much younger than we are now. So we need some new blood in here as well to help us out. And, um, I mean, we, we still got a long way to go. Don't get me wrong. No, exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, it, it had such a profound like impact on my life, just kind of like doing that kind of like activism in media. And and you, you see like a lot of the kids are really like clued in here in, in, yep. in Bucks County. Um, and like you said, like we already have like, you know, so many like talented activists and, and writers. Um, you had one really um, amazing writer on who's also a teacher, Diane Lagerman. Um, oh, she God, she's show. freaking incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so we just need, you know, the main thing is just we need to make sure that everyone kind of like buys in. Right. Because cause it only works if everyone's involved and, and everyone's kind of supporting it, you know, no matter, you know, how little. Right. But everyone just needs to kind of come together and help build this out so that, you know, it can be impactful, effective, like I said, so that it can be like an organizing tool that helps mobilize people locally um, in order to push back against all all of these like far right onslaughts exactly. you know, that are just kind of like trying to push their way into schools, into local government, um, you know, just into like the culture of like what's like acceptable now here in Bucks County. And then just have our progressive alternative, which is one about, you know, justice, you know, humanity, <laughs> sustainability, about taking care of each other too. I mean, yeah. Yeah. really basic stuff, right? Yeah, all those controversial you know, <laughs> ideas. No, one hundred percent. Well, listen, man. Um, you know, I'm just I'm thrilled about that. I'm um, looking forward to, and I think that we just got to make this happen this summer. Um, kind of get some folks from the independent media scene, uh, scene, progressive media scene, some activists to kind of kind of together um, to see which ways that we can start kind of building in a much more kind of like conscious um, and conscious manner moving forward. I think that sounds like uh, the direction we need to be going. So. Absolutely. Hey, so so what do you got uh, kind of in the hopper? What are some of the things that you're working on? Uh, kind of what are we expecting in the uh, weeks to come? Okay. Um, first of all, I just want to I want to plug my latest newsletter just because there's some like good stuff in there. Um, you know, there's Melissa Ryan who that was she writes her own newsletter, um, Control Alt Right Delete. <laughs> <laughs> which I like the name. Yeah. And and she gives some like basic ideas about tracking far right activity 
um, in your community. And as listeners of Raging Chicken know, there's a lot of far-right activity in our community. But I think what we need is like a centralized kind of like database. So I don't know if we would want to like break this down where there's like kind of like representatives from like each you know school district and have like some kind of like shared doc. Um, but that that's a conversation that like maybe we should have you know, possibly, you know, with some folks on on the podcast in another yep. column, etc. But it, she gives you like a good, she, you know, it's like a broad brushstroke of, of some just like simple things that that we can do to kind of document this, um, because it's important to kind of like have this kind of information centralized, readily available, not only for ourselves, but for like outside media when we want to kind of like have people continue to shine a light on what's happening here. Yeah. Um, and you know, one one thing that Another um, article that I included in the newsletter, which, I, you know, I, I wish there was something would have been something done similarly here, um, which was um, Lancaster Online's investigative reporter Carter Walker kind of like did this piece about, you know, there was those Patriot Front leaks that we talked yep. about a while back. And he just kind of like put the data in, mapped it out. Um, about like where they were spreading the most propaganda. Um, surprise, surprise! Southeastern Pennsylvania is a hot spot, right? <laughs> As was uh, Bucks County, um, because you know there's some different schools of thought on on how to approach this. Um, I I don't know. I, I feel like shining a light on this is better than kind of like keeping our heads in the sand. You know. So, some critics might say like you're kind of like giving them publicity, but like people need to know who they are um, so that they're equipped to have the types of conversations with people that they know. Because oftentimes they're, you know, they're targeting young, young teenage and, and young right. adult, you know, guys, men, yep. um, boys and men. Um and so, you know, I think this is something I thought the piece was great. I, I hope people check it out on Lancaster Online. Um, and um, yeah, just wanted to get that out there as well. Um, moving forward, gosh, I have so many things <laughs> up in the air. So little time. Um, you know, I, I'm working on, on my next few columns. I want to do something, you know, in honor of, you know, Black History Month, which should be every month, you know, for, uh, you know, for all of us, um, you know, especially in light of the fact that, you know, history is under assault um, by school boards, um, you know, from Penridge to, to Palisades and across the country. Um, and I'm thinking about, I'm kind of like digging into how the Republicans are trying to legislate through constitutional amendments, um, which I think is kind of like very undemocratic um, and dangerous. And so I'll be talking about why that is um, and just kind of like unpacking that for readers. Um, yeah, and there's a, there's a list. There's a huge list, but I know we've been running long. So. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I look, I look, there, I mean, that's, I, that's, 
the again, this is the reason why I'm so glad that you're going to be uh, got a weekly column at the Beacon too as well because there is so much to cover. Um, but let's all remember that you know uh, Cyril is but one person, right? Um, so all the more reasons to kind of grow independent progressive media right here in Bucks County um, too as well. Well, hey man, um, it's great talking to um, talking again. I've been back for the Wednesday show. Um, this is absolutely fantastic. Um, and congratulations again on the Bucks County Beacon. And uh, look forward to uh, the next round of this because you know things are moving fast. Let's put it this way: we got a primary coming up on May seventeenth, um, and that seems like right around the corner at this point. So uh, we got our work cut out for us. Thanks, Kevin. I look forward to being being back on soon. Yeah, you got it. All right. So, hey, everybody, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. want to thank you so much for tuning in. I uh, want to remind you that you can help support this show. You can head on over to Twitter. Um, follow us on Twitter at, at RC Press. You can head on over to our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Talk to you soon. See ya.